The Meeting Charleston podcast is sponsored by Princeton Mortgage, home of the Princeton Promise. If you think your mortgage process was anything less than effortless, just tell them why and receive a $1,000 credit. My husband Mark and I moved to Charleston in 2018 with our three daughters. We both grew up in New Jersey and were ready for a new adventure. We had visited Charleston a few years back and immediately fell in love. So when it came time to pick a new home, low country living seemed like a no-brainer. So far, it has definitely exceeded our expectations. We love meeting our new neighbors and hearing their stories, so we started this podcast because we think that you might want to hear these stories too. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our feed on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, and please give us a five-star rating. Your support will make it easier for us to get an audience with the people you would most like to hear from. If you have suggestions for us on guests or things that we can do to improve the podcast, please message us on Facebook or Instagram. Your feedback is sincerely appreciated. Now on to our guest. Hey guys, Nicole Gordon here with Meeting Charleston. Today I'm so excited about our podcast guest. He's a good friend and just awesome, inspiring guy, um, serial entrepreneur Matt Benelli. Right now, he is the current co-founder of Absorbed Natural Gas Products. I can't wait to hear have you guys hear a little bit more about that. And also, and the way we met, is that he's in the real estate industry, and he's a real estate business coach with Ninja Coaching, um, one of my favorite books of all time. So without further ado, here is Matt Benelli. We are going to take you all the way back to kindergarten. <laughs> all the way back to kindergarten. All the way back to it's like so, the plastic chairs and desks and <laughs> tables and things. <laughs> yeah. So tell us your story in a nutshell. Where did you come from? How did you get here? Well, um, my mom uh, is how I got here. I think the audience that we're, we're yeah, speaking we'll to fast forward a little, a little bit. So uh, maybe <laughs> Nine I'll start later. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cold rainy. Um, I guess we'll start with how I got to Charleston. I mean, since that's kind of what your podcast is about a bit. And and I'll back up a little bit after I kind of explain that. But how we ended up here was, so I've been involved in the real estate industry and the automotive industry. And then before that, finance industry. And my wife and I came to kind of a point where we were like living in Jersey City, doing the whole commuting to New York and to the New Jersey suburbs thing. And we wanted a change in lifestyle. And we had gone through finance, had gone through so many different things and decided that we were in industries where we really could go wherever. Yep. I was managing a real estate office and a natural gas vehicle company that I started with my dad and my brother. My wife, Jen, was working in interior design and we thought, hey, we could do this anywhere. And so we looked on the map and we had been down to Charleston many times actually with our natural gas vehicle company. We're partnered with a company, um, a big supplier of ours is headquartered here in Charleston. So... We knew the area, fell in love with it, and then moved down here. And now this is almost, what, three, two years later? And here we are. Yeah. It's like everybody else's story, too. I I know. (laughs) It's amazing. I was sick of the rat race. Yeah. I wanted to get out of it and, and move. And the interesting thing for us was when we moved is like, so I could do our jobs anywhere, but we couldn't take those jobs with us except for the natural gas vehicle company. We actually moved that company down here. My parents moved down here, so we still operate that company here. But for Jen, it was what does she want to do with design because she's a hospitality, commercial interior designer. A lot of companies in New York do that. Not a lot of companies in Charleston do that. Yeah. And for me in real estate, it's like, well, I could go back to selling real estate if I want to. And I didn't want to. 
And so you're obviously, Why? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, when I transitioned from selling full-time into managing full-time as a non-selling manager, the getting your weekends back was pretty nice. Yep. Um, not that you can't operate a real estate sales business without working weekends. Actually, now I coach people on how to do that. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that is possible, but I really enjoyed helping people build their businesses. I loved the whole helping people grow, helping them come up with their ideas, their business plans, and then watching them go out there and thrive. And I had a coach who was helping me with that. And that was Garrett Fry, who is the founder and owner of Ninja Coaching, which is the coaching company for Ninja Selling, which I know your company follows that process and that philosophy. And so I was talking to him and he said he was looking for a coach, more coaches. And I said, well, I'd be very interested in that. So he hired me. And two and a half years later, I've been part of Ninja Coaching, coaching real estate agents around the country. And I get to do that from home. So it's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. It works out well. So do you ever think about, do you still have your real estate license? I do. And I'm actually licensed in South Carolina as well. So, wow. so licensed in New Jersey and South Carolina. So do you ever use it at all right now? I don't use it in the capacity of actually going out and helping people list and sell homes, but I do use it in a capacity of referring people back and forth. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's it's nice to be in tune with the market. Yeah. Uh, I do have membership at the MLS, so I explore all that stuff. Um, I'll, I'll plug Carolina One. They hold my license. Wonderful people. They're a ninja selling company, so yep. it made sense to put the license there. That's amazing. So we, Mark and I go out um, to open houses when we're not wearing our tr- meeting Charleston hats and we're wearing our Princeton mortgage hats. Of course. And um, whenever we run into Carol, not, not whenever, but... M- a lot of times when we run into the Carolina One agents, they'll have their affirmations books at the open house. That's awesome. They'll like write their Ford conversations in, and it's just amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love, I love that. That's that's cool to see the ninja selling out there in the field, people actually doing it and using yeah. it. I mean, it is a great – I mean, for anybody who has not come across ninja selling and you listen to this podcast, I highly recommend you go check out Larry Kendall's book, and read it. It's not just for real estate. I mean, you guys use it in mortgage. Yep. They now have a ninja uh, ninja mortgage installation. Yep. But you guys didn't even discover it that way. You read the book and were like, hey, let's put this in place in our mortgage company, which is awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, if you sell jewelry, you sell cars, you sell whatever, uh, tax accounting, insurance, that book can help you do that. I mean, you can really develop an you amazing business anything. on that philosophy. So. Mark read the book and I read, he started texting me, I forget where he was, but he was texting me, Nicole, read this book. It's on the nightstand. You need to read these pages or this chapter. And that's like how much it was impacting our lives in so many ways, you know, just with everything that we were doing, even just meeting people and trying to network. And, uh, there was a moment when we first moved down here and we were, you know, opening this office, he was like, maybe we should maybe we should get into real estate. I think I could sell, I could make so much money in real estate just following this book. It's like, it's an incredible book and it's, and it's, it's like a textbook. Yeah. Like if you follow it, you will make money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is that simple. Larry Kendall, who founded Ninja Selling, he says, Hey, all of this stuff is easy to do, but it's also easy not to do, which is the incredible thing is because, Hey, if you just do these simple things, I mean, the Ninja nine is nine simple things for 
daily and weekly habits. Yep. But if you don't do them, like you won't see the results. And a lot of people say, well, I'm kind of doing it. How come I'm not seeing the results? Because you got to do it all the way. Yeah. You can't just go half in. Yeah. And so some people, when I started posting, um, you know, when I got back into sales and I started posting like, hey, this is the thing that I'm doing. Here's my habit that I'm focused, you know, I want to teach you about today. So there were some people um, with real scarcity mindsets, like, how could you, you're just going to post that on social media? Like, what if other mortgage people see it? Or what if other people see it and they're, they're going to do it too? And I'm like, that would be great. Like, let everybody, there's enough to go around, first of all. And second of all, nobody's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it takes discipline and you have to follow it. And I mean, if you do, it really works. But so many people are like, I'll, you know, I'll do this or I'll do my affirmations. I'll do my gratitude. Just doing gratitudes every day. Absolutely. I mean, changes my, personally has changed my life. Oh, hundred percent. I think gratitudes are the key to everything. If you can do a lot of other things, but if you don't start your day with gratitude, you're missing out on a lot of potential because when you, so Joe Dispenza, if anybody followed, have you, do you follow Joe Dispenza? He does incredible (laughs) brain work. Um, He was a chiropractor, basically, I mean, short story, got rear-ended by a car while he was doing a triathlon, broke all these bones in his back. They said, oh, surgery, he may never walk ever again. Passed on all the surgery, healed himself with his own mind through meditation, vertebrae by vertebrae, and then dedicated himself to helping people overcome injury, illness, all of these things through meditation. And it's outrageous, like the work that he does. It's mind-blowing. Um, but he says that gratitude is the ultimate state of receivership, meaning that if you can be truly grateful, truly grateful, not complacent, but grateful, you are setting yourself up to receive anything and everything that you've ever wanted. And that's an incredible thought in my opinion. And I, that's why I say to everybody, if there's one thing you're going to start with gratitude. Yeah. So it's, so one thing, and I don't want to throw a wrench into anything, but I follow this almost religiously now. Um, And I was having a little bit of trouble actually journaling my gratitudes every morning. Mm -hmm. And anything would get in the way. And I was, you know, I'd wake up like 15 minutes, you know, I'd snooze for 15 minutes. And then with the three kids, it was just like, it got a little overwhelming in the morning. And I found myself just writing any, I'm grateful for this. You know what I mean? Like it was just all very. Check the box. Check the box. I wrote this out and let's move on. And recently I went to a conference, a a female networking group through a conference called Limitless, um, the Hatch Tribe. And somebody there mentioned that they do gratitudes in the evening Mm -hmm. when they have a time to reflect on their day. And they do limiting thoughts in the morning. Hmm. So wake up in the morning and you're thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get through my day? I don't have enough time. Or I have to bring the kids to daycare. I have to do this. I have to do that. And flip all those thoughts to, I get to do this. And so now in the morning, I have a journal and I've been journaling every day and I do my limiting thoughts in the morning and my gratitudes at night. And now every one of my gratitudes, I'm like, I'm really grateful and they're so much more thoughtful. I love that. Um, so, yeah, I actually mentioned mentioned it to Rich, our CEO, and he was like, that's interesting. I like yeah. I like the way you flip that. Well, <laughs> the, the whole I have to versus I get to is so important. And yeah. 
So I, Garrett, who is the owner of Ninja Coaching, um, we host a podcast as well. And we were talking about that this morning on some episodes we were getting ready to, to record and release. And so many people wake up with that. I have to do these things. Yep. And if you put it into, I get to, because the truth is you don't have to do anything. Yep. There's pretty much only one thing in this world that we all have to do. And it's not very, I mean, it's kind of morbid. I mean, but we all die at some point, right? <laughs> yes. And that is controlled by a being that is above, well above and beyond our control, obviously. But that's the only thing we have to do. I mean, you don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to go to work in the morning. You don't have to make money. You don't have to take your kids to school. Yep. But you do have to be willing to accept all the consequences of your own actions or inactions. So might as well just flip it around to saying, hey, we have the ability and we get to do these things, particularly when we're thinking about things that, in my opinion, I mean, first world problems here. Like, oh, I have to take my kids to school. It's like, you get to. Because there are I people know. who can't do that. They literally don't have the ability because maybe they messed up something in life one time and don't have their kids anymore. Or they're not, you know, whatever it is. Or they don't have children or whatever. And so filling yourself and saying, I, I love that. So those limit, those limiting thoughts are really limitless thoughts if you flip it around. Yeah. Thus, I guess, limitless, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so cool. You know what it really also helped me do is it helped me prioritize. Like, what oh, are the yeah. things that I can automate in my life that I don't need to be a part of because I don't care if I get to do this or not. Right. I think it needs to be done. I don't want to deal with the consequences of it not getting done, but I don't need to be the one doing it. Yeah. Um, and I was having a lot of, not a lot of trouble, but I was, I think I was just confusing what was the most important to what I wanted, like, to fulfill me versus like what actually needed to get done because I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are yeah. in our own little ways. <laughs> so that's it helped me prioritize too. But I love that. I love all that stuff. So let's get into Ninja in a minute. But let's sure. go back to um, like a little bit. For, we don't have to go back to kindergarten in the plastic <laughs> chairs, but let's go back to you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah, grew up in New Jersey. Um, so from... Pretty much lived there my entire life, except yep. when I went off to college and because I came back and worked in Manhattan. So, you know, that was kind of the, the whole story for me of where where I lived and worked for ever. <laughs> and so what what made you get into even real estate there or uh, and then what made you guys ultimately start this business with your family? Yeah. So, I mean, going to college, which is where I met my wife, too, which is amazing. So Bucknell University, thank you for bringing me and Jen together. Um there was like two paths when you come out of college. It was either you go do your, or at least coming out of Bucknell the way I saw it was you're either an engineer and you're kind of going a specialty route, maybe going to grad school, law school, whatever it is, yep. or you go work on Wall Street. Yep. Like if you're studying business management, like you better be going into the finance industry. And this was before the crash. So of course everybody wanted to be there. I mean, my first year in the finance industry, the parties were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Life was great. After 2008, not so much fun anymore. I remember someone saying, they even took our special sugar out of the coffee area. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> We're really slumming it now. Um, so after going Hashtag through... Hashtag first world problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so after, after going through finance for many years, um, my, my dad had this idea of... He was in banking for 30 years, and he wanted to start a financial consulting company. So... He kind of set that up. I went to work with him on that. And that was not a good time to start a financial consulting company as a two-person you know, operation. Yep. We did partner with some, some big companies to create some great products, but 
We were also going after a segment of the market that the chief investment officers did not want to make any changes. Yeah. And because if they made a change and it didn't work, they're fired. Yep. If they made a change and it worked, nobody cared. <laughs> they just didn't want anybody to lose money anymore. Yeah. Um, so after doing that for years, we, we kind of were working on some other side projects, which happened to be natural gas pipelines in Western Pennsylvania. And so it introduced us to a whole new industry. Even though we were there to play the finance role, we started thinking and looking and say, hey, what are some things that are going on in this resource industry of natural gas, how it's used, how where it's stored? Because we found out that most of the gas being harvested out of the ground is just getting put right back in the ground to be stored because we can't use it fast enough. Yep. So we started looking into vehicles and the demand and use of natural gas as a vehicle fuel. And outside of the U.S., it's pretty huge. I mean, certain even third world countries or uh, second world or Middle Eastern countries, millions of natural gas vehicles. Here in the U.S., we have like a couple hundred thousand maybe operating wow. on the roads. And it really has to do with the price difference between natural gas and gasoline. Gasoline, whenever we complain about gas prices – go outside the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they're really low here, particularly in South Carolina. Goodness. Yes. So that makes it tough to bring in a fuel that you have to work on changing the dynamics of the vehicle a little bit. I mean, you have to, how are you going to fuel it? You know, there's a prevalence of gasoline stations everywhere. So we looked into what was going on in the natural gas space, discovered that this high-pressure natural gas was actually a bit of a challenge for expanding the industry and stumbled across this technology that allows you to store more gas at lower pressures, not more gas than you could at high pressure, but when you're at those low pressures, you could store two, three, four times the amount of gas, and low pressure being under 1,000 PSI, wow. which is still high pressure, yeah. to be honest. Um, so... Uh, eight years of developing that technology. We're going into our ninth year and getting ready to commercialize a Ooh. lot of different things, which is cool. So, so who has the knowledge for? Is this something that you're like, I'm interested in it. We're going to dive in and figure this all out. <laughs> so, because our audience is probably like, what? How? Yeah, like, wait a minute. You banking you finance, and now you manufacture now natural what? gas PSI storage. Why? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it started with a Google search, quite honestly. I love like, it. My dad and I are in our office. I'm like Googling different natural gas vehicles. I'm like, ooh, this technology looks interesting. And then my dad's like, oh, let's call that person. Picks up the phone, makes a call. Then we're driving out to Missouri. We're licensing technology. We're going around the country meeting all these different uh, activated carbon manufacturers because that's kind of the secret sauce inside of here. And went to one company took their annual report, looked at the back, who are their competitors, let's go to those places. Amazing. That's how we ended up finding Midwest Vaco here in Charleston, which is now called Ingevity Corporation after many different spinoffs that they did. Okay. And then we set them up and they became our supplier. They've been amazing and helping us develop a lot of different things. So, I mean, my dad has a background in engineering, but we basically pulled together other companies. So, Worthington Industries is a cylinder manufacturer, and they make the actual storage tank, which is a cylinder, a pressure vessel cylinder okay. that stores our, the gas, that the carbon, and the carbon's inside the tank. And then, so all those things come together, and then it's our product. So we own a patent um, for how the product is used and how it's designed, and then we have a company in North Carolina that does vehicle conversions, and we work with a um, person who's connected with Ford to calibrate engines so that we can, I mean... We just basically pulled everything together because 
I have no idea how pressure vessels work. I don't know how to build them. I don't know the science. I mean, I know the science now behind activated yeah. carbon technology. Um, but when we started, I was like, I, I didn't know that activated carbon could store natural gas. Yeah. But yeah, it can really well. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I could talk for hours on natural gas technology and and what it means for the future of vehicles, particularly since we're hearing a lot of. Uh, I would say bad press for electric vehicles coming out recently in terms of yeah. actually how environmental friendly it is. Yeah. Uh, not just how the energy is used and stored, but how those batteries are developed, how those electric motors are developed. There's some, there are some challenges there. I won't go into that because people are like, I like my Tesla. I get it. <laughs> Teslas are cool. Um, so, but while we were starting that company from our, you know, kind of, I'll call it a failed financial advisory venture. Yeah. I'm in my mid-20s. I got to make some money. And we're going to start this whole new company. So the choice was either go back to Wall Street, and I could have gone back to my old job, and then not work on this business with my dad, or figure out a way to make money. And so my wife said, well, what about real estate? And so one of my best friends from high school, his dad was a manager at an office in New Jersey, talked to him. He said, if you want to go down that path, you can come work for me. So I said, okay. And so I started selling real estate while I was also developing this company with my dad. Turned out I actually kind of liked it, at least the real estate industry. And that quickly elevated into then managing an office, and now here I am. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of cool. I mean, that's fantastic. It's a fun story. It's a fun story. I mean, it sounds amazing and glamorous. I mean, just like anybody else's story, when they're going through starting companies, there are lots of trials and tribulations and challenges. And it certainly by no means has been easy to do that. And probably would have been more comfortable going back to my old job in terms of at least financials. But I would have been bored. Probably would have been like, oh, get me out of here at some point, you know? I mean, it's... I mean, the commute alone. Commuting and... The uh, the hours and it's just... Yeah, didn't want to do it. Different types of hours. I mean, when you're self-employed, it's... You're always... I feel like we're always working, but it's different. But it's, like, it's exciting. I mean, it's, I'm interested in the things that I do. Not that I wasn't interested in my job in the finance industry, but it just it wasn't like something I went home and wanted to research more about yeah. and learn more about and do more of. It, like now when I turn off work, I'm like, okay, I'll go watch entrepreneur shows. I listen to entrepreneur podcasts. I go watch videos on YouTube. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm learning here. <laughs> like, she's like, but you already work today. I was like, I know. it's not work. It's fun now. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, well, real quick, what are your favorite uh, podcasts that you follow um, or books that you've read recently? Yeah, Meeting Charleston is a fantastic podcast. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So the MFCEO Project uh, by Andy oh. Frisella, I listened to that. Now, he just concluded that podcast. It's still out there for anybody yeah. who's never listened to that. Uh, if you don't like curse words, probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> Uh, he started a new one just over this holiday break called The Real AF. His name is Andy Frisella, but I guess you could also construe that in another way as well. Yep. Um, so that is a great podcast. The podcast that got me into podcasting, though, was Entrepreneurs on Fire. Uh, John Lee Dumas, he started this podcast where he was interviewing entrepreneurs, and he was publishing episodes every single day of the week. Wow. And he did this for years. And his podcasts were really interesting. I mean, they were pretty short too, so they were easy to consume. So I started listening to that and I was like, this is really, really cool. And I was learning so much. And so I started exploring others. And 
um, that's when I was like, well, maybe we should start a podcast too. You know, if, if that's a space that's growing, you know, let's do it. And that's how Garrett and I started Ninja Coaching Coast to Coast. And I learned actually a lot from JLD as he goes by through his free podcasting course and everything. And it was, it was great. So Entrepreneurs on Fire, still a great podcast. Um, the MFCEO Project, great podcast. 365 Driven. Um, one, this guy that I've met through all these entrepreneur Facebook groups, Tony, Tony Watley, he started that podcast and he interviews a lot of really awesome people on that show. And so I listened to his podcast and meeting Charleston, of course. Of course we do. <laughs> I mean, it's the best. It is the best. It really is. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit more about Ninja. Sure. Uh, now, well, real quick, how much time do you spend working, wearing your Ninja hat? Yeah. Versus the company, what's the name of the company what, that you own with? Uh, Adsorb Natural Gas Products. Okay. Adsorb. Adsorbed Natural Adsorbed. Gas. Oh. ANGP. It's probably Perfect. easier way to do it. <laughs> what is, uh, how much time are you spending wearing each hat? Not even including like the husband hat, the father hat, the right. whatever communities you're a part of hats. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I, I don't really track my hours like with that stuff, but. I mean, I just look at it as two full-time jobs. And so wherever the need is, I mean, the past couple of years with ANGP, I have not been traveling as much as I used to because I've been coaching a lot more people. I mean, if I can sometimes have six or seven clients in a day that I'm coaching and those are hour long calls. So that day is just all ninja coaching. Um, Then there's some days where maybe I have one or two where then the rest of the day, I'll be focused on ANGP or I'll do stuff at night for ANGP, whether it's emailing, website work. I mean, I try to focus in a lot on like kind of our marketing and communications on that side of things and some other business development stuff. So there's a lot of time where I'll just be sitting looking at spreadsheets or researching other things, which I can do off hours. So so I I should probably track that to see how much time is really spent on that, but... (laughs) But I just look at it as two full-time jobs that I blend in, and I still get to have a life. It's not like I'm working 24-7. I mean, yeah, I wake up early in the morning to get things done, but yeah. it's not like I'm up until 2 a.m. every day. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about how you finding clients down here for, I mean, Carolina one is huge. Sure. Um, but clients for, for you to coach. Yeah. So I actually coach no clients at Carolina one. Um, nobody here in Charleston is currently actively coaching with me. Um, not because of lack of looking necessarily, but Ninja selling is a national training company, right? So, um, my clients are all over the country and that leads into getting more clients in those parts of the country. I coach several people in New York city and in Washington, DC. So naturally that kind of builds because you, get connected with one agent. They tell their, you know, friend who's an agent about ninja selling and ninja coaching. And then that attracts those people in. I do coach a few people in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, it all depends on kind of where I'm spending my time and introducing myself to people. That said, I mean, if anybody, and, and I do talk to a few of the people at Carolina one, and I'm always trying to help people whenever I can with the questions that they have about ninja or their business. It's not like, there's a meter coming running yeah. here where it's like, Hey, if I have a question for Matt, I got to, you know, coin operate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. But most of the clients that we get for Ninja coaching do come out of the Ninja installations. So if you go to a Ninja installation as a real estate agent, um, 
many times, sometimes there might be a coach there, you know, attending the installation there to help, you know, and answer questions. But they also will introduce Ninja Coaching during the installation and say, hey, if, if you're interested in more, you know, we have coaching. And then we basically get a spreadsheet of names and call those people up and say, hey, what questions do you have? And we give everybody a free hour and say, hey, let's get on, let's get on the phone. Let's let you experience what coaching is like. Because some people have never had a one-on-one coach before, yeah. a business coach. And a lot of people say, what? do I need a business coach? What does a business coach do? I don't, I don't understand. And so we want them to experience that. I mean, you can only do so much in a preliminary hour. Yeah. But I'm like, how would I best spend my hour? I'm yeah. going to steal an hour from you. And what can I get out of it? I wouldn't even know where to, like, I would just be jumping around. Like, I just need to pick your brain. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, that, and it is, it is a challenge. And a lot of people, when they get started in a coaching relationship, I tell them, hey, you got to give it a little bit of time yeah. because it's going to feel like we're running a million miles an hour out of the gate. Because the way I start um, with our coaching sessions is I ask a lot of questions to learn about what is your business like? What are you looking to achieve? What are you currently doing? What parts of the Ninja selling system are you utilizing, using, maximizing? Where are you having struggles? And then we go into, okay, let's build a weekly routine. Let's get that built up or at least set the vision. Not that you're going to all of a sudden tomorrow turn on this productivity system that's just going to be a miracle worker for you. But we need to know where we're going. And so the first several sessions, a lot of people sometimes feel like they're a little burned out. Yeah. Um, but then we try to then ease into it. And then we pick one thing or you know, maybe it's the hour power or the handwritten notes and really start working on maximizing those. But it, it really comes down to what's going on in your business, that person's business at that time, and where can we build from there? Because with coaching too, uh, a lot of people look at, coaching gets weirdly defined out there, right? There's trainers that are quote coaches and there are coaches that are trainers and you can do both, but there is a big difference between going to a training and having a coach. And if your coach is just teaching you the same thing over and over and over again, they're not really coaching you. That's like, you know, Bill Belichick saying to Tom Brady, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the, throw the, throw the ball. Right. Uh, not going to work in developing them. Now there's a quarterback's coach, obviously in football and, but they're looking for things like, Hey, you know, I noticed you're turning your hips this way and now I need you to really shift this way. It might give you a better angle or when that wide receiver is running this route, if you notice this defender coming over here and in business, you can do the same thing. If you have a coach who's on your side, kind of looking at what you're doing, sometimes you don't see. Uh, that's why I had a coach and that's why I still talk to coaches for myself because I need people to tell me the things that I don't see or because we all get into our program. And if somebody else is telling us, Hey, try doing this or try doing it a little bit differently this way, or somebody who's just there to say, Hey, Nicole, you can do this. Like you're going to be able to get through this. I know that you can wake up and manage this stuff and that your day is going to be incredible and you're going to be able to knock it out of the park to give you that energy to go. And so there's a lot of time spent on that too with, with coaching, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long, when you, some of the clients that you work with, how are you coaching them once a week? How often? So most clients is every two weeks. Every two weeks. We'll get on the phone for, you know, for an hour every two weeks. And how long do you end up staying with a lot of these people? I know that there are outliers, but. Yeah, it varies. I mean, um, a lot of people, so I've been with Ninja Coaching for two and a half years, yep. and I've had some people who like are in for a couple of months and they drop out. Um, but the best clients, they're there for years. Yeah. You know, 
program. And I have some people that I've coached for almost two years now. Um, and so they've stuck with me almost since the beginning of my coaching career. Yeah. And I've even taken over people who have worked with other coaches who have moved on to things. And so they've been coaching with Ninja Coaching maybe for three or four years. And Garrett, he's had people that he's coached for over 10 years. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, because there's no like, hey, we've done everything. No. You know, so we'll just kind of wrap up and go. Like that, that doesn't exist. I mean, it's like, okay, great. Let's build a new plan for next year yeah. and figure out how we execute that. How do we go to the next level? Because what gets you to 100000 to 200000 income is not going to be the same things that get you to 500000 600000 700000 income. Yep. And the things that get you stuck at that plateau, we got to figure those out and switch things around. Because, you know, I can take two people who do the Ninja 9, right? And I guess we could explain what that is or just look it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two people who do the Ninja 9 the same way or, or break it even down to the 50 live conversations a week, right? Yep. So that's a core thing. We call it the one-point business plan. Talk to 50 people a week. So two people do that. They're both talking to 50 people, but one person's business is 300000 and the other person's only 100000 Well, what's the difference? And that's where we get to dive in as a coach and say, okay, well, who are you talking to? How are you talking to them? How are you following up? What does your frequency of communication look like? And that's where we get to go below and above kind of the systems and figure out what are the little things that help an individual person use those systems so that they can achieve their goals. Yeah. So. I love this it's system. <laughs> so, so how do you make sure that you're staying on top of maybe the different ways? And, you know, for the people that are listening, they may not know anything about Ninja. I don't want to give too much away. I don't know how any of that works. But Give it all away. If you're staying in flow with people, a lot of what um, we've adapted or adopted um, in Princeton Mortgage, we tweaked for social media. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the way we stay in flow with people has become digital. Sure. Um, How are you making sure that when you're coaching somebody, you're staying on top of maybe the best ways that they may be able to stay in flow with people Mm -hmm. or, you know, integrating technology and all the changes in that and all the new social media you listen to Gary V. Like, are you ever talking to some of your realtors about TikTok? <laughs> like, how do you make sure that you're staying on top of all that stuff? Yeah, good question. I mean, um, probably similarly to how you do. <laughs> I go and I'm active on those platforms. I watch what other people do. And I take that in and see, hey, how are those people using that? How is that working? And then also just watching how the agents that I work with implement different things. And I, I look at something like social media is an interesting challenge for people in a sales space because, yeah, you can grow a social media presence doing what Gary Vee says. Post five times a day on every platform, but five times on each platform. Get to know TikTok. Do it. You know, Keep posting on Snapchat, even though that may be going away. And if you're not active on Twitter, you're dying and all this stuff. <laughs> but that can be very overwhelming. And so I just look at social media as it's just another place for people to be interacting. And Ninja is built on communication, communicating with people. And can you make up for lack of live communication with digital communication? I don't think so. But you can certainly expand your networks through social media, particularly if you take your live communications and then also have those digitally. So for example, my coaching clients, we call in to the GoToMeeting platform and we do our coaching call. 
And then we communicate via email in between calls. Sometimes we'll be texting. Sometimes maybe we do need to hop on the phone. But sometimes I'm in Instagram DMs with my clients talking to them as well. So it's just another venue where we can all connect and so that you can maximize the attention. And that's what Gary Vee is all about, right, is finding attention. So if your clients are on these platforms, of course you're going to get extra exposure and bonus attention if you're on there as well. Does that mean you have to have the perfect strategy? Not necessarily. It also depends on how you use your brand and how you use that platform. So I do watch, I read a lot of articles and see what people are doing. I try to test things myself, but I'll be honest, I have made one post on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, I try to do what I can to, because I got to live it too, right? And if I'm going to coach somebody ninja, I got to live that as well. I mean, obviously, I'm not out there actively listing and selling real estate, so I'm not doing a pre-listing interview every week. But the principles behind it, building relationships and just being true to your own brand and connecting with people in a genuine way, that's something that I think we can all do. And a lot of people do naturally, too, which I think is interesting with ninja is like, it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, this is nothing new, building a business based on relationships. It's just how they design it to bring that in because there are other people out there that promote cold calling and door knocking, but in a way to build relationships, yep. which is kind of a ninja way to do the traditional systems, you know, because yeah. a ninja could cold call. I don't think it's a productive use of time. Yeah. But if you look at it as, hey, I know nobody, if your database is zero, got to start somewhere. Yeah. But most people have, most people know some people. And if you don't, I mean, go out to a networking event and just start talking to people and meeting people. And and that actually is going to get you further faster in a local business than I think going on social media. Yeah. You know, and so, but if you're trying to sell t-shirts online, uh, you probably need to be more active on social media than elsewhere. But when it comes to real estate, mortgages, selling cars, jewelry, local businesses, I, get out there and meet the local people, you will be more productive, in my opinion, than if you exclusively spend your time on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think you shouldn't probably exclusively spend your time in any one area. Right. Especially, you know, if you want to grow your brand, you know, across, you know, to the masses, which obviously makes the most sense, um, everybody has a different personality. You're going to connect with people differently. I have found that even in some of our sales trainings with the loan officers all over the you know, we have, you know, pretty much all over the East Coast, but um, some of them are very intimidated going to a networking event or even in the communities that they're in, their church or their, you know, um, nonprofit that they're a part of. They always feel like they're selling something. Uh And you just have to, you know, build a relationship and find out how to deliver value without, sometimes, I mean, I meet people, I don't even, they don't even know I'm in the mortgage industry. I don't even talk about that. It's just, hey, do I like you? Do you like me? What can we, how can we help each other? Yep. How can we, you know, are we going to be friends um, and or at least find value in each other's, you know, in that relationship? Um, but I do I have found that a lot of the loan officers um, find that being able to communicate on either just like uh, not through direct messaging, but just commenting on some local realtors posts. Absolutely. Hey, I love this house. Hey, you did a great job staging that will initiate some sort of conversation and then we'll jumpstart that, the, you know, face-to-face communication, which has been huge for them. hundred percent. I think there's, there's two 
ways that you look at growing your business from a database perspective, right? And a lot of people, when they get into sales, whether it's mortgage insurance, real estate, whatever, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they get scared to talk to people, even though before they were fine talking to people because now they're like, oh, but what? I got to talk about real estate. No, no, yeah. you don't. But you have to pay closer attention to those relationships. You need to ask more questions so you can learn about those people because naturally people are kind of equity sensitive. And if someone's interested in, in you and asks a lot of questions and you're like, hey, this person's interested in me, I, I should be interested in them too. I mean, yeah. it's like dating kind of. I mean, right? And yeah. You ask questions, you learn about the person, you try to do special things for that person. And then you start with, oh, we met for coffee. Now we're going to have lunch. Now we're going to have dinner. <laughs> now we're going to have breakfast. So, <laughs> and there is a progression. So your relationships for business are the same way. Now, I think it, it does behoove people to target those relationships, particularly if you're in mortgage, getting to know more realtors makes a lot of sense, of right? Don't just get to know random people, yeah. get to know realtors. That's going to be a big deal. But also those other people that you get to know, build a core group. And this is one adv- piece of advice that I have for anybody in any industry is build a core sphere of influence. It can be as small as 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, but a core group of people that you know well, that you can talk to them every month easily about anything because those people then become fans of yours, personal fans of yours, and they will ask you about what you do. They will get to know what you do. They will champion what you do. And that's how you can do it live. Now on the social media side, what you mentioned, I think is perfect because going and commenting on people's posts, that is being in the dialogue. That's using social media as a network, not a place to just post stuff and sharing a message. I mean, let's be honest, that's how we met was on Instagram. Right, yeah. you were posting about Ninja. I'm like, I'm a Ninja coach. You're in Charleston posting about Ninja. We got to talk because yeah. we're on the same kind of wavelength there. And so there is tremendous opportunity in social media too if you're genuine and honest. But like, if you just posted, "Hey, Princeton Mortgage, here's our new rate." Hashtag Ninja Selling. I probably would have never really? been like, "Why are they doing that?" Yeah. They're like totally trying to just glob onto and. But that's not what you did. And that's where I tell agents, like, stop just posting your new listings, your solds. Like, you got to show your personality because people don't build a relationship with what you do. They build a relationship with who you are. Exactly. Yeah. So So I have a question. Um, When I got back into selling and I was doing all this ninja work and it worked so well, um, I hit what you'd call whitewater right after all of a sudden it was all working. Yeah. Do you ever um, have clients that come to you for coaching when they're like, hey, I was doing some of this stuff and now I don't know how to handle it all. Yeah. What am I doing? It helped me before it all falls, before I drop all the balls. Yeah. Um, What would be your biggest piece of advice to someone who's... I mean, this happens all the time. (laughs) All the time. I mean, this is what happens in growth of any business too is, hey, I did all this stuff to create business. Now I'm going to go out and do business. Then typically what happens is you go do the business and then you come back and there's no more business to do. So you have to go out and generate the business again and then you go do it. And that's that whitewater or the real estate roller coaster, I like to call it too. And part of it is first really respecting your routine of those activities that help you build those relationships. You have an hour power planned, that doesn't get moved. You have a client that wants to see a house. Well, you have an appointment in the morning to do your hour of power. Say, hey, I have an appointment in the morning. Let's go look at homes in the afternoon. Great. Now, if your afternoons are getting so full, there's just no other time to do the business, you got to hire an assistant. You got to bring somebody in. I mean, if you're a real estate agent, 
start with a transaction coordinator to take care of all the paperwork. And then if that's not freeing up enough time, bring somebody in to help you with the stuff that's non-productive, the stuff that doesn't help you produce more business. Do not outsource your relationships. I never recommend that because your relationships are with you. Even on social media, like I know that people have social media managers and that's great for maybe some of your automatic postings and stuff, but be the person that's out there answering the DMs, connecting with people. I mean, unless you're a celebrity and literally you have hundreds and hundreds of D or thousands of DMs coming in that you need somebody to help you manage and process to find out like, Hey, where are the leads at? Um, do it yourself. Spend 20 minutes in the morning answering those things or going and commenting on other people's posts because it will be more authentic if it's you. And then hire somebody to handle all the other stuff, to handle the you know, marketing creation of your postcards or the design of your emails or making sure that those lists are maintained and sent out and maybe even managing your own schedule. Somebody to just keep you on track to say, Nicole, you need to be going over here and doing this right now. Yep. All right, let's do it. I mean, one of the most biggest time wasters. There's a reason why... On Million Dollar Listing New York, you see all these top agents being driven around the city. Oh, my gosh. I literally just said to Mark, am am I a jerk for saying that I think I need a driver? Not at all. (laughs) It is a huge time waster. It is. Huge time waster because you can't get anything else done when you're driving. And this this is a big problem in the real estate industry. I see so many of you agents out there, by the way, if you're listening. I see you texting and driving, and it terrifies me. (laughs) Put the phone down, please. Good goodness. Yes, you can make phone calls when you drive, but they're not the same. You're not going to be able to do the same. You can't. And also, what happens if somebody cuts you off? You're like, oh, and you're in the middle of a phone call with a client. Like that's not going to be. That's not going to be great. So yeah, I mean, hey, if you can afford to hire a driver, which it might not even be that expensive uh, in the long run, depending on how much time you spend in a car. Do it. I mean, do you need to? No, but look for those little efficiencies. And so I even say, look in your personal life. Like if you are running out of time and you don't have somebody who cleans your home for you and you make enough money to hire that person, get somebody inside cleaning your home. Yep. You want to go to the extreme? Okay, how about making your food? There, yep. are, there are meal prep companies all over Charleston. So thus all over the country, I'm sure. You know, Get those little things that take up an extra hour of your day and have somebody do it for you. Yeah, you have to pay for it, but if you're making enough money to do that, do it. Yes. Because then you can focus more time doing podcasts with people, meeting people, talking to people on the phone, doing the things that actually bring in more business. So Yeah. Yeah, I think Mark might need to hire you a driver. I think so. You hear that, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. You know, a neighbor once when we first moved in um, jokingly said to me, you know, I, I, I don't understand what's happening. I look outside and I need to talk to you about automate. Your entire life is automated. I, in a, an hour span, I saw your dry cleaning get dropped off. Somebody come to pick up the poop, dog poop in your backyard <laughs> and someone drop off your groceries. And because I don't even go grocery shopping. I use shipped. Yeah. Now. And it's, it saves so much time and I get so much more done. Um, yes, obviously, the cleaning of the house. I mean, there are so many things that you can automate. And that's what doing my limiting thoughts in the morning has helped me also figure out what needs to be automated, what I can prioritize and what I don't care about. Yeah. And start with things you don't like doing. I mean, look in your business. What are the things you're doing that you don't like doing that are not revenue producing activities? Like if you don't like talking to people, we need to start (laughs) talking about a different career potentially if you're a real estate agent, but, (laughs) but look at the things you don't like doing paperwork. Great. Let's get somebody else there to do it. You don't like managing your email like organization. Great. 
find a service that can do that for you. I mean, you run a podcast and you don't like editing podcasts, hire a service that can edit that for you. I mean, you don't like creating content for social media. Great. Hire a videographer to follow you around all day and create the content for you. I mean, those are things that you can do. I mean, yes, it does cost money, but we're talking about when you're really at the limit and you're saying, I can't even handle all this business. Hopefully that means that you're making, now if you're not making money and that's happening, there's a lot of other things we can talk about. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people get into business and actually this is kind of interesting because we recorded this today for our podcast, working hard versus working smart. And what does that mean? And you have a lot of people out there that are like, yeah, I'm out there working hard. And if you're, my opinion is if you're not producing the results that you want, you're not working hard. You're just working. Yep. doesn't mean that you're working hard. I don't care how many hours you're putting into it. The, the people who are producing the most are increasing their income per hour and maximizing their own hours so that they can also go have a life. I mean, Gary Vee, I know he is a workaholic, but that dude does sleep and yeah. he talks about it and he does have family time and he shuts down for all that stuff. And you got to have that in your life too. And you got to look at, hey, working hard means doing the things that other people won't do to help you progress your business. And so if there's activities in your business that you can create more efficient time around so that you can actually work smart and hard, I think working smart means you're working hard, quite frankly. Um, You got to find those things and do those things. And sometimes it does start with simple morning routines of saying gratitudes or throwing out the things that are limiting and flipping them around. Starting right there is going to, all of a sudden, you're going to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. You know? Life-changing. Yeah. That and meditating. You mentioned meditating before, but Mark and I do uh, TM. Okay. And I'm only doing it in the morning. You're supposed to do it in the morning, in the afternoon, 20 sure. minutes. Um, haven't found my full 40 minutes a day, but it's, I mean, it's incredible what it does. Just, just being able to take that time and, like, refocus and say, like, I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing myself so I can be the best version of me so I can accomplish all these amazing goals that I've set exactly. for whatever, you know, this quarter or this year. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it just, it just all gets jumbled. And and it's okay if it takes time to get into those things, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, I sit here and act like I'm an expert on routines and I have challenges in my own routine. I mean, there are things where I'm like, I fall off track and I'm like, I got to get myself back on and do all these things. And that's okay. As long as you focus on making progress every day or every week, every month is kind of how that looks in the grand scheme. As long as your trend is upwards, you're good. It's okay if you fall off. I relate a lot of things to fitness because I, I love fitness. And it's just a lot of people can understand New Year's resolutions, right? Yep. Everybody right now is probably like, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to go every day. And then they <laughs> miss a day and it's over. And, and they're like, like chocolate oh. cake. And- yeah. It's like, well, I messed up. I might as well just, I'll start again on Monday. I'll start again next month. Yep. And that is, whenever you say that, and this is what I hope a lot of people like take in, is like, whenever you say that, I'll start on Monday, you are announcing a challenge to yourself. Yep. And don't start Monday. Start now. Start today. And get back on track, even if it's a little thing, even if it's saying no to that extra piece of cake or (laughs) just not pouring that extra glass of wine at night. It's not, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You just need to trend yourself on the right direction. And then by the end of the year, all of a sudden you'll be doing an hour of transcendental meditation all day. It'll be crazy. Um, (laughs) I got to get into some of that stuff (laughs) more so, but that, that's how you build habits. Atomic, have you read Atomic Habits, the book Atomic Habits? No. You got to read that book. Okay. It is incredible. That was a book that I read last year that was just 
very impactful on how I look at habit creation. Okay. And I mean, they outline the whole thing. James Clear, wonderful author, author, author. He's an author too. Um, great book. You got to read it. Okay. Yeah. I will read. I. You can hold me to that. Good. I will read it. I'm actually <laughs> looking for a new book. I just got Principles by okay. Galio. That's a good one. And I so I got like a. Sh- he has a new version out. Um, it's like for any reader. It's I don't know. Mark read it this week in like 45 minutes. But I bought it because I want to start reading it to the girls because it like not dumbs down, but it's something that anybody can digest. Right. Um, but I also have the full version. Um, have you read that? I have not, oh. but it's on, it's on the list. I have like an Amazon in my Amazon account. You can create lists. Yep. And so there's like 20 books in there. And like, once I finish a book, I just like, whatever's next on the list, I just throw that in. Sometimes yeah. I reprioritize. Things, do you but. get the hard copy or do you? I do. Audible? I do do get the hard copy. Um, oh, well don't buy it. I'll give it to you. Okay. I just bought that and multipliers. So those Ooh, are my... That's a good one, too. That's on my list. Yeah. Oh, I'll... So many, so many books. So many books. There's, so little have you, time. <laughs> speaking of books, uh, have you read The Motivation Manifesto by Brandon Bouchard? Yes. What an awesome book. Oh, I, had, I hadn't read it until last year. Really? And it took me five years to discover that book. But that book, that was probably my favorite book that I read last year. Wow. It's like, it, it literally helps you figure out what motivation is. Yep. And how to go out there and do it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I'd recommend that to a client and it changed his whole business. I was like, wow, sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love that book. I also, I just finished reading um, Radical Candor. Okay. And that for me personally, just because I'm not great at giving feedback, because I feel like I'll just like do it better myself or I'll just like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, yes. And that book has changed. I'm going to have to read that one. I could use a little bit of that. (laughs) It's hard. I mean, I spend my day coaching people and then I step out of my office and start coaching my wife and she wants to kill me. (laughs) So I need to work on that. I need to work on that. (laughs) Mark's like, I do this all day long with loan officers. Like, why can't you take my feedback? And I'm like... Uh, I'm seeing red. <laughs> and you're like, why can't you be my husband right now? I know. <laughs> I got to I gotta work on that. Jen, if you're listening, it's my New Year's resolution. Yeah. Well, we need to get her out here on the podcast too soon. Absolutely. And I can literally have you on, I feel like, once a week. We could do something. It's I you. can do it. I love it. <laughs> I love this. No, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, well, let's, real quick, I know that we're, oh, my goodness, it's already 311. Um, let's talk about real quick, what are your favorite places to eat? Um, and if you're a cocktail person or a coffee person, what your favorite coffee place is or local bar? Great. So I live on John's Island and for people who haven't ventured out to John's Island, there's some great restaurants out there. Um, favorite place to eat. So like there's different levels of restaurants. Yeah. Though, right? Let's do like a, you can eat there all the time. And then like a fine dining, someone came to visit. Okay. You. Fine dining, Magnolia's downtown. Absolutely oh. incredible. Love that place and love the people that work there too. I mean, if you want a hospitality experience, go there for sure. I mean, go to many places. Um, place that I could eat at every day, Southern General on John's Island. Sandwich shop, man, they make the best sandwiches and, I could eat that there means something every coming from a Jersey day. boy. Yeah. It, their <laughs> their stuff is amazing. Well, I should mention too, I'm gonna throw a food truck category in too. Okay. Uh, Doughboys Pizza. 
best food truck, best pizza in Charleston. Wow. I will go out there and say that. I get so gypped on the pizza thing because Mark and Sam are gluten free. I know. I gotta like closet. Not that, I mean, not that I'm that's like a problem, but I mean, it's a problem for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those, and then uh, coffee or coffee. Cocktail. So um, Southern Brews on Johns Island. It's a drive-through coffee shop. Fantastic coffee. Yeah. Um, but for those of you not doing a drive-through on Johns. On John's Island, I would say, um, hmm, where would be the best coffee? I'll just go with that. Okay. Southern Brews. And then best place for a drink, um, Cocktail Club downtown. Oh, yeah. Love Cocktail Club. And then, of course, Low Tide on John's Island because I could walk to it from my house. Oh, that's great. Great brewery. Great brewery. Great beer. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Very cool. So anything that you want to plug? If somebody's interested, actually... Sure. Um, very important because there are like 8,000 realtors in Charleston. Yeah. And I think only like 500 of you guys closed more than one deal last year. Oh, I think yeah. those, it's, it's approximately a very those low performing industry. <laughs> um, what, where can, if somebody wants your help, um, hit me up on Instagram is probably the easiest because you don't have to worry about which email am I monitoring or anything like that. So at Matthew J. Benelli on Instagram, that's, Matthew J B O N E L L I, um, hit me up there, and then we can figure out where to go from that spot. Fantastic! And I'll plug our podcast too, Ninja Coaching Coast to Coast. Check love that it. out. I'm if so you're a real estate agent, you're gonna love it. If you're not a real estate agent, you'll probably still love it. Um, but yeah. And how often do you guys? Twice a week. It? Twice a week. Awesome. Mondays and used to be Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're switching to Mondays and Thursdays to give a little distance between the episodes, but. Okay. Yeah, it's been, that's fun. Love doing that. You guys must love doing this too. Yeah, we do. I, yeah, we have big plans for, I have some big, hairy, audacious goals for. This is cool. I'm so excited you guys started this. I mean, I've seen a lot of people start podcasts and they get two, three, four episodes in and they kind of stop. And you guys are recording them and getting them out there. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I love seeing that because they're I mean, just because it's fun, I know that you guys are enjoying it, but there's so many other ancillary benefits that come with doing a podcast as well. I mean, you get to meet more people, it grows your network. You, you know, people are like, man, you host a podcast? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's people like, are excited. Yeah. I know. I love it. It's I'm awesome. so, yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank it you. It means so much me. to us. And yeah. I mean, I could talk to you all day and I, same, I, love, I same. love it. Same. You guys, you guys are the best. And, Look forward to hearing more stuff from you guys and continuing this along. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much.